top five um, most commonly prescribed drugs. Those are all things, all conditions that can be alleviated, or I dare say even cured through a, a daily practice of yoga. Hello and happy 4th of July week. Thank you for tuning in. This is Dharma Talk episode number 19. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and that little soundbite was my guest this week, Jeff Chen. Now, before we dive too deep into the show, I want to make a quick but heartfelt shout out to three listeners of the podcast, Bridget Pajunen, Arian Osman, and Sebastian Kent. These three listeners took the initiative to make a donation to Dharma Talk. And I have to say, I am so grateful for that because this show actually costs me money to produce. I don't have any sponsors, so really it's just an expensive hobby, but I love to do it and I really appreciate the support. So thank you so much to you three. And if anyone else would like to make a contribution to keep Dharma Talk going, there's an easy PayPal button to do that at henrywins.com. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming, back to Jeff Chen. Jeff is someone that I know from my time living in Austin, Texas. He's co-owner of a studio down there called Pure Yoga Texas in Austin and Dallas. But this week, we're not talking so much about the studio. We're talking about one of his other projects, uh, an organization called Pure Action. And Pure Action is doing a few different things. If you've listened to the show for a while, you might remember from episode 12, an interview with Jeannie Heaton, um, where she talked about some of the uh, community outreach work that Pure Action is involved with, and she's also doing with One Posture at a Time to bring yoga to addiction recovery centers. That's one part of the puzzle. And then the other piece, which we talk quite a bit about on this episode, is bringing hard scientific evidence and data to back up this practice this transformative practice of yoga that we all know from our own experience but pure action is gathering scientific proof to back that up and we talk about why it's so important to validate the therapeutic value of yoga with hard data and whom pure action is really trying to convince with this stuff we do talk about why philanthropic yoga outreach has made such a tremendous impact in these addiction recovery centers, but has fallen flat in other avenues of community outreach, like schools and other areas. And then we talk about how yoga teachers and yoga practitioners can access cutting edge information live at an event that Pure Action is putting on this fall and get involved in this community of yogis and researchers who are really committed to advancing our understanding and access to yoga therapy. So I'm excited for you to check out this interview and learn from Jeff. It was always a pleasure to hang out with him. I got to see him uh, this past weekend at the USA Yoga National Event, another project that he's involved with. Jeff is just one of those guys who's got a get involved and, and move the needle in all sorts of different ways. So check out this interview right after these announcements. Dharma Talk super fans, I know some of you have been asking about this and waiting for it, so I'm excited to announce that our Dharma Talk shop is now live. 
And this shop is in partnership with We Are Yoga. Check back to episode number three for my interview with the founder, Will Jones. They're doing all kinds of fun stuff, not just with products, but with events and retreats and all that good stuff. So go check out the store. We've got t-shirts, hats. Um, By the time you're listening to this, there may be some leggings up there as well. And you can get 10% off your order with code HENRYWAY. That's not just on the Dharma Talk stuff. That's on the entire We Are Yoga website. You get there through henrywins.com slash way, W-A-Y, or you can navigate through weareyoga.com. Who's ready for summer vacation? Later this month, July 19th through 22nd, I'm going to be in Chicago for Chicago Waycation with We Are Yoga and 105F, Chicago's original hot yoga studio. I'm teaching vinyasa class and a special workshop on Uddiyana Bandha and Kriya, but personally, I'm really excited about taking class and workshops from all the other amazing teachers who are going to be there, like my friend Gianna Purcell, who appeared on episode five of this podcast. So if you want to come do all the yoga, learn a few things and have a lot of fun, then sign up and use my special promo code Henry Wei Chai to get 10% off your four day pass. Details and sign up are at henrywins.com slash events. If you're looking to rapidly advance your yoga practice in a short amount of time or your understanding of the subtler practices of yoga, consider applying to the Labor Day Immersion at Lighthouse Yoga School. Jared McCann, Aviad Sasi, and I will be leading this 30-hour, four-day intensive yoga study to help you advance your asana practice to be sure. Lots of classes and focused posture clinics. But more importantly, there will be a group sadhana every morning, and it's our goal that you'll be able to walk away with a spiritual practice that supports you for the rest of your life. So get the details on that and sign up at henrywins.com events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode of Dharma Talk. This week, I'm excited to interview my friend Jeff Chen. Jeff is the executive director of pureaction.org, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing the ancient benefits of yoga to mainstream medicine through pilot studies in yoga, continuing education, and bringing yoga practice to underserved communities. He has been practicing hot yoga for over 18 years and feels better every day he practices. Jeff, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to chat with you today. How are you doing? Doing great, Henry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, I spoke with Jeannie Heaton, who's been working with you on Pure Action, about some of the work that she's doing down in, uh, down in Georgia a couple episodes ago. So um, I feel like it was only a matter of time. So I'm so excited. Likewise. She's amazing, Jeannie. 
She is. She is amazing. All right, let's let's get right into it, Jeff. Um, I asked the the same question of all my guests at the beginning, and that question is this: What does the word dharma mean to you? And what is your dharma as you understand it today? All right, that's a big question. Um, I actually, I believe actually that we are all one. Um, that is, that goes back to an old uh, Hinduism principle of. Uh, Advaita Vedanta, where is absolute uh, monism, where everything is one. Um, all of my studies in science and quantum physics and uh, my seeking in yoga uh, reinforces that belief. And um, so, so, so hence our, our work with pure action and trying to bring East and West together through, uh, through mainstream medicine to, to, to better the world. Yeah, I, I love that personally because a lot of people tend to think of, you know, especially people who are not very familiar with yoga, tend to think that there's this dichotomy between what can be proven with science and what is, I don't know, woo-woo, hippy-dippy, and requires mm -hmm. only faith. So it's really, I think, impactful for a certain group of people who might otherwise not be reached to have that hard scientific evidence that you guys are working on. So major ups to you on that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what, what you're working on. So specifically, what, what is the goal, what is the objective of, of Pure Action? Oh, wow. So Pure Action has a pretty, pretty high vision. It's to heal the world with yoga. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's doing that through connecting East and Western medicine, um, the ancient benefits of yoga, and trying to bring it into the healthcare system here in the West. And uh, we do that through research, by funding small pilot studies at universities that explore some of the physiological benefits of yoga. Um, but research by itself is pointless if, if you don't disseminate that information. So it's really important to educate the public, the general public, not just the yoga public, not just the scientific community, but everybody out there to understand that practicing a physical practice of yoga, in addition to meditative, you know, more cerebral uh, meditative practices of yoga, um, have extraordinary benefits to the human body. And it really can transform one's health. Um, we also have another layer with Impure Action to serve the community and go to underserved populations and, and bring yoga directly to them, to people who otherwise probably would never have the means to walk into a yoga studio and, and begin a practice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the first part, because I'm really interested to hear how you might structure that kind of study. What sort of aspects of the yoga practice have you put into a controlled environment and, and what did that look like? Yeah. Well, when we first started the organization in 2010, I was practicing and I own studios, uh, hot yoga studios in Austin. And I was approached by a, uh, a, a PhD candidate student at uh, the University of Texas. And she was going for her PhD at the Cardiovascular Aging Research Laboratory uh, headed by Dr. Uh, Tanaka. And her name was Dr. Stacy Hunter. And she had become interested in yoga um, just through some of her exercise physiology studies. And she was finding some really interesting 
information about how isometric exercise and stretching uh, were able to contribute to uh, cardiovascular benefits and mostly vascular system benefits, that is healthy arteries. Oftentimes when we hear about cardiovascular uh, benefit, we think about the heart. Um, but often left out of the equation is the vascular system or the arterial system. And so she was, her, her research was all about that, about healthy arteries. And she had found that hot yoga uh, in one of our early studies uh, was beneficial to car the cardiovascular health. And that was very novel. It was never been studied before. So we, 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 we worked and assisted her with that pilot study. And when we found some of those benefits uh, uh, being evident, we said, wow, this deserves some additional work and additional funding. And so that first initial study with uh, UT Austin was really what really launched Pure Action at that time. Aha, uh -huh. so there was actually one, um, there was one study that kicked off the whole thing. You saw that there was a promise right. here and then decided, okay, let's, let's create um, some structure around this so that we can continue to do this work. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So what was it like, you know, to introduce, um, you know, sort of a scientific controlled experiment to introduce the scientific method into a yoga studio? Did you face mm. any resistance from the students or the community with that? No resistance at all from the students or community. We, we, we had so many people sign up and volunteer to be part of the study uh, that it was, it was very easy to, to recruit. Some of the challenges that we had, though, were with uh, the Institutional Review Board, the IRB. Uh -huh. uh, they were mostly concerned with, well, you're going to study hot yoga. So how safe is that? So we definitely we had to address the safety concerns, especially as we were dealing with certain people who had been sedentary for at least six months, uh, who were potentially overweight, obese, maybe had some other chronic, uh, chronic uh, disorders or, or health uh, uh, disorders. So safety was a concern which we were able to address. And I think uh, nowadays uh, those obstacles are are, are, are overcome through the, the increase in yoga research that is being performed. I think IRBs are, are much more aware of yoga. Back then it was difficult. Uh, also designing a study is challenging because to standardize a protocol. In India, there are lots of yoga studies that are done. And in India, Many, much of the yoga is practiced one-on-one -on -one between teacher and students. So the general practice of yoga can be changed or the protocol can be changed. They're studying, hey, what's the efficacy of yoga when I'm dealing with one-on-one -on -one teacher and student? That's far different from here in the U.S. where we're trying to design a study around a yoga class. So the yoga class environment needs to be pretty well controlled in terms of the posture sequence, the climate, if that is in a hot yoga studio, um, the teaching, the instruction. And uh, one of the other challenges with studies in yoga is when you're recruiting people who have not practiced or have very little uh, practice experience, and you're asking them to come to um, a yoga class three times a week for 
anywhere from eight to 12 weeks or four to 12 weeks, depending on the, on the nature of the study, uh, you, you, you're, you're apt to find some people fall off the study. So you have to over-recruit. Uh, and then the last challenge is uh, that we face with certain recent studies is control groups, control populations. And when you're trying to recruit people and you tell them you're either going to participate in yoga or we're going to ask you to do nothing for the next 10 or 12 weeks. That, often comes, yeah, <laughs> that comes up uh, as, a, as a surprise because most people are motivated. They come in, they want to get, get healthy. They want to be part of this study. Yeah. And then to, be, then to be told, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, that's that's usually an obstacle. So right now you're actually expressly prohibited from doing yoga, even if you are motivated to do so. Right. That's right, and and they can't do any other form of exercise as well. They have to still stay in the unhealthy condition that they started with. Oh yeah, that 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 must be very tough. But I imagine that's similar for any um, you know medicinal study, right? I mean, people who sign up to test a new pharmaceutical drug in a phase three trial or, or what have you, you know, that's, that's always an obstacle, I suppose. Yes. Yes, certainly. Well, okay. So Jeff, I'd like to hear now a little bit about your personal practice because we all know that to, to, um, you know, put yourself at the forefront of this research and to, you know, um, make that your priority you must be motivated by something that you found in your own practice. So what does your personal practice look like these days? How has it changed over time? And, you know, most of all, how has it supported you in this mission with, with pure action? Oh, well, well, my personal practice, I started practicing, um, 18 years ago in New York city. And my wife, uh, took me to my first yoga class and it was a Bikram yoga class in New York city. And it was about three months after I had run my first marathon. I had been very active my entire life in the martial arts, uh, sports, and running. And um, after my first marathon in New York City in 1999, I was uh, pretty beaten up, and I had some pretty bad. I had a pretty bad ankle injury, and it took lots of time to to slowly recover, and then. Uh, Marty took me into my first yoga class, a Bikram yoga class, and I thought, I hated it. I thought everything was, it was, it was, it was too difficult. It was the most difficult thing I've ever done. But then after that first session, I noticeably felt the improvement in my ankle. I said, wow, there's something to this. And even though I don't like this, I'm going to come back. And so I kept coming back. Uh, I started out once a week. I started out slow. But then the, 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 the ankle injury was pretty much gone after just a few sessions. I said, there's definitely something to this. And I, I, I was supplementing yoga with, with all of my other physical practices with weightlifting and uh, martial arts. And I said, hmm, let me explore. And uh, at that time, I was uh, living in New York and there was yoga everywhere. So I tried all different types of yoga. Um, and I just kept coming back to hot yoga. That just became my personal preference because I felt that it was very restorative, restorative for my other physical activities. Um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, my wife, Marty, she decided to uh, go to a teacher training, open a yoga studio. And then I've been involved in yoga studios um, either as the spouse of an owner or eventually as an owner since 2003. And really, all of the, my inspiration for the work that we do today 
comes from being around students that transform their lives from day one, right after their first yoga class. And they continue on and I see miraculous transformation of their mind, their body, their health, their spirit, and just person after person, student after student is all benefiting. And uh, that just is the rocket fuel that keeps us going. And I said, well, we always hear about these amazing transformations, but there's no scientific evidence that supports that. And wouldn't it be great if we could create an organization that can start to investigate, to explore, to provide actual evidence for people to support their practice, to let them understand that, yes, this is not my imagination. This is actually, this actually can be scientifically proven. So really the last 15 years or so being involved and also owning and teaching uh, yoga and being around the yoga community, um, that's just our constant source of inspiration for the work that we do with Pure Action. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's, uh, one thing I want to point out is a lot of the time people talk about yoga as being this totally transformative thing for your mind, body, spirit, like you said. But it's interesting and, and poignant that the piece that brought you back after your first one, despite the discomfort, despite not really actually enjoying the physical process at the time, was that you felt a transformation in the subtlest little acute thing, your ankle. And I think it's those tiny little pieces that it takes to bring you up the ladder toward these broader, more, um, well, I should say that was not subtle. The, the broader things are the more subtle ones. And it takes a little bit of faith that you build up a little bit of credibility from having something acute like that change for you. So that can be a powerful experience for anyone who's first getting into yoga and you know these anecdotal stories they they carry a lot of motion um you know that's what we're doing on this podcast right now is sharing the stories but if you want to be able to make broad sweeping change that starts to lose impact at a certain point so you know what what is yes. the end goal for 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 creating these studies these um hard evidences is it about getting insurance companies to cover yoga as treatment or is it some other sort of outcome that you're going for? Um, well, I, I feel that, yes, um, healthcare companies to cover yoga as treatment would be wonderful. Uh, and I think that we are well along our way. I think the industry is going to be pulled by the demand for, uh, for, their, for, for, their, for their companies. Uh, for the, for the co- companies will be seeing the benefits of a healthier population and there's a lot more to um, that companies focus on in terms of employee wellness. So I, I, I believe that it will naturally take its course that healthcare, uh, the healthcare industry will cover. Um, we hope to be a, a catalyst or an organization that will accelerate that process. Mm-hmm. I do think that the medical community, though, should be more educated about the benefits of yoga. So a lot of our research um, aiming towards the medical community, it's uh, the Time Magazine had done a, 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 uh, a special issue about um, 
exercise and the science of exercise. And they, they imagined a world where doctors would be able to prescribe exercise to their, to their patients. And that's already um, starting to happen now, right? Yes, it sure is. It absolutely is. So back then in, in 2010, if you were to, to Google yoga research and look at PubMed, you'd find a scant few uh, uh, research studies on physiological benefits. There's plenty of work done on uh, the mental benefits of meditation and sitting and deep breathing. But back then, very few things on, phys on the physiological benefits. Uh, nowadays, if you, start to, if you Google that, you'll see hundreds of studies. So the university research uh, world is catching on. They see this as, as being more and more uh, um, embedded into exercise physiology. People are, under are connecting some dots. So I feel like it is inevitable want to do is also demystify uh, we want to we want to look at specifically more uh, physiological benefits uh, because I think those are the things that 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 create headlines we want to we want to mm -hmm. catch the big things like cardiovascular disease hypertension type 2 diabetes opioid disorder or opioid uh, addictions that is massive that's a massive health problem depression anxiety uh, major depressive disorders there are there's mounting evidence of of yoga uh, helping all of those conditions. And if you really look down, look up and down all the 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 the, the top five um, most commonly prescribed drugs, those are all things, all conditions that can be alleviated, or I dare say even cured through a, a daily practice of yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's um, there's a fine line to walk when you are advocating for something alternative and holistic like yoga, where you don't want to come across as saying that something is a panacea, because first of all, you know, it's not true. Sure. But second of all, you don't <laughs> want to come across as like someone who is just completely lost their marbles, you know, it needs to be rooted yes. in something grounded and real and evidential. So you know, Correct. I think, I think it's really powerful and, um, and optimistic. It's an optimistic, uh, uh, indication that we have that it's these conditions that are being prescribed medications so often and, uh, and, and with need, you know, it, it's not, these are, these are unmet needs that are not fully resolved at this point. They continue to plague our society. So it's very it's, it's an upward looking trajectory i would say for yoga right now yes it is and the one thing we 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 hope to use to bridge the gap between science and uh the mainstream is through great podcasts like this uh to disseminate as well as a research conference we've been now in our third year of hosting a the peer action annual research conference and this year we're going to do it in Austin, Texas, in our hometown in October. And this will be a place to gather people of like mind, people, researchers, uh, yoga teachers, yoga practitioners, and present a lot of this information, um, you know, live. And there's something different about hearing it on the, on, on the website and also actually experiencing that group, that, uh, that group of commu that community coming together to, uh, to share. 
So yeah, it's a weekend conference. What what has happened uh, in years past at these conferences? Yeah, uh, two years ago, it was uh, it was interesting. It was challenging to find uh, you know enough research to fill a day and a half conference. Uh, last year, we also did it in Boston. Same same thing. This year, there is a there is a plethora of research out there, and uh, people are coming and publishing. And it's an exciting time. People get to share their research with others. It stimulates new thought. It uh, it re-energizes people. It really it fills up your cup as a yoga teacher and a studio owner. Fills up your cup with lots of new information that you could bring back to your community. And if one of those ideas that you learned from the from the research conference, you know, makes an impact to just one more person, one more student, that. That, that gives them the energy and inspiration to continue to practice, just to, to keep up their practice. That's enough. Yeah. It's like you said, there's that, that <laughs> one acute point, that one acute injury that got to me, that, that, that led me to where I am. It's the same exact thing. It's one person at a time. Maybe it's, it's one inspiration moment at a time. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. We want to have these like... We want to have this major broad sweeping impact, but the things that you really feel are the pinpointed specific moments always with everything. Yes. Uh, You know, there's so many different um, follow-ups and directions we could take this. So we're obviously not going to be able to cover off on everything, but I do want to hear about some of the kind of charitable work that you're doing with the other arm of the, of the nonprofit. Because you did mention opioid addiction. I, I want to take you in that direction. So how are you serving that population in, in Austin and, and beyond? Yes. In Austin, there are you know, dozens of treatment facilities, um, and many of them have opened up in the last several years because of the demand for them. We currently uh, bring yoga at least once a week to five different treatment centers, in the in the central Texas area, right around Austin, and our first one we had um, we had introduced it yoga to them about five years ago, five or six years ago, and we've been going there consistently every week, and um, we also serve uh, uh, under um, transitional housing, so people who go from homelessness to their first home. There's some foundation communities in Austin. We're also going to some uh, uh, teenage and um, youth uh, detention centers. And opioid addiction is everywhere. Uh, but when we go to the specific recovery centers, oftentimes uh, they're, 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 they're incorporating other exercise that also is very physical, vigorous exercise. Something like yoga helps to you know, balance, create balance to their, 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 their protocols, their exercise regimen. Um, one particularly inspiring story. About four years ago, we had gone to a, um, a recovery center and we, they, they, we, would, we would teach the men and the women separately because they were segregated. And as I find out later, one of the students, a female student, she was like, yeah, whatever, yoga, this is, this is, this is not for me. She had been uh, addicted to all kinds of drugs and um, in and out of rehab, you know, three or four times. 
And then we invited uh, Jeannie Heaton, one of your past um, uh, guests, to come down to Austin and help us and and uh, and, and and teach a class in uh, uh, September, uh, which was National Recovery Awareness Month. And we got all the people from the residential facility to come down to our studio and take a class in a hot room. And so this young lady, her name is Monica, decided at that point that, wow, this is yoga. This is this was that acute moment in her life where she said, this is it. And we we and 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 two years later, three years later, she's now uh, a teacher uh, at our studios and she spreads the message about addiction and recovery and how yoga can help. And so she's gone full circle, goes back to the community and teaches class there. And she's just such an inspirational leader in the community. And just imagine just that's that, that was that one aha moment that she got from Jeannie that was able to pay forward in you know exponentially. So it's really rewarding to see every single person at the yoga at uh, at the yoga studios that show up, but also more importantly, going to the treatment centers and planting that seed so that maybe one day they'll show up when they come out into sober living. Maybe they'll come into the yoga studio and just have that same, you know, aha moment. Yeah, that that is such a powerful story and it gives me chills. I mean, I know Monica, of course, um, and she, boy, is she ever an inspiration. I mean, she's sharing so much. She's so vulnerable with her story, you know, sharing it out on social media, talking about all yes. the depths and darkness of, of her um, addiction and depression throughout that whole period. And to see her transformation is just, you know, it's awe-inspiring, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, and for you, you know, that's just such a cool effect to not only be able to touch that one person, but to see that person go out and spread and have this ripple effect that you can't create. It's, it's exponential when you can change someone who goes out and changes others. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that I could have done, but we planted a seed for her to do. And she's got all the rocket fuel for, for, what, what, uh, for her, her mission in life, right? Exactly. Yeah. And now all these people who might otherwise not have given pure action a chance because it doesn't seem to be connected to their experience now have someone that they can empathize with who's got a platform to speak to. So yeah, it just empowers the whole mission. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Jeff, I'd like to hear, you know, that's like a really successful, powerful story, but I know it hasn't always been easy. I know you've hit some challenges along the way. To, can you tell us about something like that? Mm, yes, yes. I know that uh, there, there's always been some starts and stops. We, we had many irons in the fire. We tried uh, bringing yoga to schools, to charter schools. Uh, to hospice or uh, not hospice, but uh, skilled nursing and assisted living. Uh, we've we brought it to community health centers, and every place has had its challenge because there's just natural resistance, and most people aren't are, are maybe may, maybe they're not quite ready to understand and receive all the benefits yet. Um, the addiction recovery centers, the treatment centers. People are actually seekers. They're seeking a way out. They're seeking community. They're seeking 
uh, a new community, a healthy community. So there's 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 quite a bit uh, that that gets someone to an, a recovery center, um, and there's a little bit more friction. Uh, there's a little bit more of a stick factor there. There is a difference. There is a challenge between public and private. Uh, private treatment centers, people are more motivated to be there. They want to be there. Public treatment centers, we've encountered several of those, and we still go there, um, but those are often court-mandated. And there's, it's, a different, it's a different group of people that aren't excited to be in the yoga class. Um, or potentially I've also found, they're not excited even to be there in the treatment center because it's mandated, that's right? right? That's, yeah. that's right. That's right. And, uh, and as far as the, uh, as the youth programs go, also some challenges there. Often with the youth, you, you really need to coach, you work with them one-on-one. Uh, the youth in a group setting is challenging. They like to you know, rib each other, nudge each other. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, still, they're still in that, like, you know, pro- I've got to prove myself you know, phase. But yeah. when you take them to the side and work with them one-on-one, then you can start to actually understand the real person uh, behind that cloud, behind that, that, that facade that they put up. So challenges are, so, so, so oftentimes the one-to-one uh, teacher-student relationship is, is necessary. And, uh, but that poses some big challenges, certainly funding-wise. <laughs> sure, yeah. So. And just the scalability of it, right? Scalability, correct, correct. But that goes all the way back to, you know, what you mentioned sort of at the beginning of our chat about that was the framework, you know, in India. And I know that you and and Marty have have picked up some of your um, your new teaching protocols from the Ghosh College. And I actually recently spoke to um, Ida Joe and Scott Lamps, too. So that that episode hasn't gone live at the time of that we're talking. But by the time this airs, it will have. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they had a lot a lot to say about that as well, about how to prescribe yoga treatment for the individual. So, you know, I think that comes really into play when you're talking about using yoga as a way to pull someone out of a specific illness or experience, you know, as opposed to just a general um, preventative or maintenance routine. Yes, yes. Yoga therapy is now starting to really blossom. Um, what used to, to be the idea of a yoga class, a yoga class, all right, you can have 20, 30, 40 people in the same room all attempting the same thing, and everybody's going to get some benefit. That's the broad brush stroke. But increasingly now, our students that come through the door are you know, at least half of them have some kind of either chronic or acute injury um, uh, 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 probably one in three are on some type of, uh, antidepressive medication. Um, many people are recovering from addictions. And so everybody is coming through with, uh, lots of physical and or, uh, mental challenges and rewind 10 or 15 years ago, uh, yoga was for the fit and healthy. And now everybody coming in is generally unhealthy or unfit. And so uh-huh. yoga, thera- yoga therapy is really the next step. Uh, taking, yeah, maybe there's a class where there's a general protocol of the broad brush stroke, 
but you need to actually have one-on-one -on -one guidance, uh, modifications, if you will, um, specific protocols, custom designed to individuals that they're going, that's going to accelerate their progress and enable them to get into the, the, the public class, the class where everybody is, uh, or, or at least to supplement it. So yeah. yoga therapy is something we are we are we are promoting, we are uh, encouraging, and it comes and, and and we're starting to do you know weekly classes in yoga therapy uh, here in Austin. So really, anybody who has any particular questions or concerns about injuries, come on in, and and we'll we'll figure out how we can customize something for you to do at home. And you're doing that at Pure, not through Pure Action. Yes, we at, are at the studios. Yeah, at the studios. Yes, at mm -hmm. the studios. Do you find that um, the the population that comes into the studios has shifted, or are you talking more about what you're doing in the outreach when you oh, talk about uh, people definitely. coming in with with the drama and the trauma? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, uh, definitely. the The population of students in the studios, the yoga oh, wow. studios, okay. definitely has changed. Definitely has changed. A big demographic shift over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look which, back which at the. Says that all the stories of when Bikram first came over to, you know, Beverly Hills, it was only the rich and famous. It was the lifestyle yeah, of the rich and famous, and famous to, to go and practice yoga with this, you know, this Indian guru mystic. But now it's, yeah, it's become something right. much more, um, it's here for you when you have something that you want to work through. That's right. Much more mainstream. People hear about it. It's, it's become much more uh, common knowledge that yoga is generally good for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, that's all part of the work that you're doing, Jeff. So m major props to you for that. Um, Thank you. Apart from getting your message out on this podcast, Jeff, what are you doing today to live your Dharma? Ah, today, today. Uh, well, this, this last weekend, uh, Marty and I went to a, um, the art of living foundations, happiness program. And so uh, what they gave us was uh, some tools for meditation. And uh, just before our Dharma talk here, I did my daily meditation. And that was something that I've been seeking for uh, many years since I've been starting my physical yoga practice. And now I've been finally able to put something into practice and it's through um, through the Art of Living Foundation. So today and every day uh, from now forward, um, I'm incorporating um, at least a 30-minute meditation in the morning when I wake up. And I feel like that sets my mind straight and ready for the, for the day so I could, be the, the, I could perform at the highest level yeah, that I yeah. need to. Do you mind sharing what, uh, what the meditation entails? Yes, it is a, um, the Art of Living Foundation was uh, founded by Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Uh, it's a very big global uh, organization in 150 plus countries. And uh, he was involved um, in the first uh, International Day of Yoga at the UN in New York City, I think in 2014, I believe. And... This is his message is, is is the happiness uh, program is through a Sudarshan Kriya uh, practice and it's breathing. It's it's nothing but breath and certain breathing exercises in a specific sequence 
and uh, followed by, you know, a short meditation. And what I found in the happiness uh, program this last weekend, it, we, 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 we did this meditation guided by Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, you know, through a recording, of course. Um, he's one of the busiest people on the planet. And what I found so fascinating was that after the meditation, which was about, uh, after the breathing exercises, we were brought into a meditative state that reminded me of yoga nidra and uh, gong meditations. I've done some gong meditations where you, your brain goes into that theta mode. And yes, the it theta was waves. Absolutely. Yes, it was absolutely amazing. And so I was just able to lie there basically with no thought, but be alert enough to listen to their instruction you know, as it came out. And I was just fascinated how powerful it was. And so what we left from the weekend was these, were these rhythms of uh, Sri Sri and embedded in our body and embedded in ourselves. That's the, the theory behind this, the premise behind Sudarshan Kriya. And by practicing every day, you start to build that rhythm in your body and in your cells. So, um, never. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, now that I'm saying that on this podcast, that means that I cannot stop. <laughs> so thank you, Henry, for yes, giving, giving me that yourself. opportunity to share that. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, all, we'll hold you it's, accountable. Yes, you will. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Now seems like as good a time as any to move into what I like to call the prana round. And in the prana round, I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions and ask you to answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Understood? Okay. <laughs> you ready to do this? Okay. Do my best. All right. Number one, in one word, why do you practice yoga? Why do I practice yoga? Is that, like, yeah. is that what you said? In one word, oh. why do you practice yoga? Health. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Mayurasana, because it, it destroys all of the intestinal impurities. <laughs> the peacock. The peacock. What's the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Breathe. That's a good one. and never gets old, huh? <laughs> never. Okay. Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our audience. Mm, the Illustrated Book of Yoga. Do you know the author of that? In case there are many. In case Swami Vishnu Deva Devananda. Oh yes. Okay, I know the yes. one you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that will be linked up in the show notes as always. Okay. Next question: okay. Is yoga for everyone? Absolutely. Okay. Last question: How can our audience get in touch with you, and how can we support you in your dharma? Mm. Jeff at pureaction org and you can support us by uh, donations as well as attending our research conference this October and just meeting us in person there is nothing better than shaking hands and hugging people and sharing face to face amazing yeah absolutely I will link up to all the socials and the website for pure action and uh, and drop the link to register for the event too so 
Jeff, thank you so much for your time coming on here and sharing the mission of Pure Action. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Can't wait to connect with you soon in, uh, in Madison. Thank you, Henry. I'll look forward to seeing you there real soon next week. If you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your Dharma.